Well, if you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, turn with me to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. We're going to bounce around to a few different passages today, but we're going to start in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, and then we'll kind of bounce around from there. But let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into our text. Father God, we begin by just praising you and thanking you that you are in the business of turning a valley of dry, dead bones into an exceedingly great army. You're in the business. This is your mission to take what was in a grave and make it a garden. You're in the business of resurrection, taking us from death to life. Lord, I pray that we would see that mission as glorious and beautiful today. I pray that this mission of redeeming a church to yourself, that that would be good news to us today. Good news in the sense that we get to then participate in what you're doing in this world. Lord, we're going to, as we dive into maybe even some some technical understandings of what is the mission of God, I, I pray that we would understand that for the end of participating in it. So Lord, help us to hear from you through your word today. And may your spirit come and just move in the ways that that he moves, encouraging us where we're discouraged, convicting us where we need conviction, but giving us faith to see and trust you in those areas where we're not. We just ask that you would do a good work and be glorified, be pleased with everything that is said and sung in this service. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen. I never thought watching somebody dig through the trash would be a, a beautiful and an inspiring experience. But years ago, I, I served as an outreach pastor at a church, and we developed a ministry very similar to, to Ford Denton. And we did what we called hands and feet service projects, where we would go out into the community and we developed different partnerships with different nonprofits in the community that were Christian, gospel based nonprofits. And I always like maybe nonprofits that are trying to take the next step and need a little help. And so we found this really underfunded Christian homeless shelter. And they needed a lot of work done. They, they had some buildings. They were all run down. And so we would, we would go out and send uh, teams, and we would work on the roofs. We would hang sheetrock. We laid a lot of flooring. We did a lot of cleaning. And uh, to, to my delight and really my surprise, actually, um, a lady that I'm going to call the doctor's wife, she, she decided to, to show up one day. And the doctor's wife was that. Her husband was, was a doctor, and he was a really great doctor. He was one of the great doctors um, in our city that had a lot of great doctors. He was, he was nationally known in his, uh, in, in his kind of, uh, in his field, and, and thus they were very, very wealthy. And they were uh, an empty nester couple. And, and what she did really with her life is she poured her heart and her soul into ministry in the local church. Uh, she taught the sixth grade Sunday school class. And when I say she taught the sixth grade Sunday school class, she taught the sixth grade Sunday school class. This lady had very high standards. She had high standards for herself and everybody around her. And it was the craziest, most intense Sunday school class I've ever seen. I mean, these kids memorized reams of scripture. And, and like, church didn't pay for this. She paid for this. Like, they didn't sit around in tables or in circles on the ground. Like, she bought desks. They were in rows, and they came to learn. She had packets of information. Like, they were learning theology in there, and they loved it. I mean, she poured her life into, into this class, and she loved those kids. But 
as you might imagine, the, the doctor's wife was very put together, okay? She was always on time, always full makeup, hair was always, you know, perfect. She, she had very high standards for herself. And then going back to that classroom, when I say that that was her classroom, that was her classroom. And I've never seen this in church, and we're not going to do this here, okay? But like every other room in that church was like multi-use, except for her room. And she put a lock on that door, and she had the key, and nobody else had the key to that room. And to be honest, most of the, the staff, we were kind of scared of her. But by God's grace, uh, I was able to befriend her, and to be honest, I really admired her. I just kind of respected how she carried herself. And, and so I would invite her to our little hands and feet service projects. And, and finally, uh, on that day when we went to that homeless shelter, she showed up. Now, as I was working up on the roof, I just I heard somebody rummaging in the trash, and I happened to look down, and it was the doctor's wife. Somebody had accidentally thrown away a tool, and she was digging through the trash trying to find that tool. And, and the whole scene of that, I wish you could know this lady in the way I did and, and how rough of a part of town we were in and how rough of a facility that was in. It was just this otherworldly very beautiful, very inspiring moment to the degree that I grabbed my phone and I had to take a picture of her really quick. And I, and I just, for me, I just held on to that picture for years just as a, as a reminder of what missions is supposed to be all about. Missions is a beautiful mess. It's all about proclaiming him but serving them. And, and the doctor's wife taught me that when you participate in the mission of God, it enables you to go deeper in your relationship with God, and it helps you to grow spiritually. Today, we're closing this series that we've called Deeper, and this is a little bit different if you're new with us. It's a little bit different than what we normally do. This is probably more of a topical series through something. We tend to just kind of go verse by verse through books of the Bible. But the hope of this series has been to teach us how we can go deeper, and thus how we can then grow spiritually. So when we walk with Him, we actually end up looking like Him. That's just Christian spirituality. That's where God's trying to take you. He wants you to know Him and walk with Him so that you can then look like Him. But what we try to do is kind of maybe blow up a couple of subtle false beliefs. The first one is, is that we tend to believe that spiritual maturity is about doing more and more and more. Reading more books, coming to church more, going to more conferences, giving more, serving more. That's how you grow. And what we've seen is that it's really about going deeper. And in many ways, sometimes it might mean slowing down. It might actually mean doing less for some of us. But it's about going deeper, not doing more and more and more. The second kind of subtle thing I wanted to blow up is this belief that spiritual growth is mysterious. Like, you know, how do we really know? And it all seems for most of us kind of a mystery on how it all happens. What I've hoped to highlight is, is that God, through his word, has actually kind of given us clarity on how we can know him and how we can grow spiritually. So we've looked at... That if we keep his word, if we draw near to him in prayer, if we love the church, that those are all tools or methods or a formula for us to know God better and then grow more spiritually. That's how we end up looking more like Jesus. Today's message, I think, is important because there's a link between mission and spiritual maturity. There's a link between those two things, and we often overlook that link. So many times we view missions and being on mission as some sort of duty that is disconnected from joy and, and, and life and being created in his image. 
So you can think of it this way, that if we aren't proclaiming and if we aren't serving, then we really aren't growing. The first question I want to ask and answer is, what is mission? So we're going to start today with this question, what is mission? Now, missiologists, and you might even know that that was a thing, but missiologists have, have a term that they use. It's a Latin term for mission of God, which is missio Dei. And when they talk about the missio Dei, they're talking about God's mission, what, what God is trying to accomplish in this world. In other words, what is God doing? And so it's a call for Christians to understand what God is doing, what is his mission, and then to dive into what that mission is. Now, now the reason why that's so important to know what God is doing and how you participate in it is because there's a lot of good things that you can do with your life. But many times, all those good things can kind of crowd out the great thing that God is calling you to. So understanding the Missio Dei is essential. Now, the Missio Dei actually begins with God himself. It, it begins with the Trinity. You see that the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is a missionary God. Alan Cole has written a great book on the glory of God, and he says that the Father chooses us, the Son loves us, and the Spirit sanctifies us. This means that, that, that the Trinity is going out, if you will, like a missionary and redeeming a people. That's what God is doing in this world. The, the Trinity is missionary. God is a missionary God. And God's mission ends, at the end of the Bible, it ends with making all things new. That's where it's all going to end. So if, if uh, you turn to the end of the Bible, at, at Revelation 21, we, we see this picture of the new heavens and the new earth. And in many ways, it's kind of like going back to the garden. And in Revelation 21, 4 and 5, we read, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he will be seated on his throne. And, and, he's, and he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's the end of where God is going. And to get there, he's redeeming a people in order to dwell with them for eternity. That's what God is accomplishing here in this world. So if you've been born again, if you've been redeemed, that's your future is to be with God forever, to be with Jesus dwelling with him in this place where he makes all things new. But, but God is still working towards those ends. He, he's still accomplishing his mission. He's doing that right now. And, and further, he's redeeming you so that you can then participate in that. So he's redeeming a church in a missionary fashion in order for that church then to be a missionary church. It, it it's kind of builds on itself, if you will. So he, uh, he has a mission to redeem a church for that church then to participate in his mission. We're here to be, this is a missionary endeavor. Redeemer Church isn't here to meet all of your needs. Redeemer Church is actually here more to equip you to then go be a missionary to the community around you. You've been redeemed in order to participate in mission. Now we're at the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the most direct understanding of this for our day. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. This, this great commission, this is our mission. 
You see, we, we've been birthed from it, from the mission of God. God has redeemed a people. Now we're part of this people, and, and in a missionary fashion, he now calls us to then go out and make more disciples. So this foundational tenet, if you will, of the Christian faith is, is to go and make disciples. You're called to make disciples. God is making disciples, and he's asking you to participate in that endeavor to make disciples. Now, most of us, if you were to say, hey, listen, 101 to be a Christian is, is you need to go make disciples. What, what, what I hear from most people is, is, hey, great, what's a disciple? So what is a disciple? Well, the Great Commission gives us a clue. A disciple can be defined as a faithful follower of Christ. That's the best definition I've seen of what a disciple is. It's a faithful follower of Christ. So going back to that Great Commission, it's one who, who faithfully obeys all that Jesus has commanded you. That's what a disciple is. That's what, that's what it means to follow him. So he's calling you and me to help people to do that, to help people get converted and baptized, and then for the rest of their life, obey all that Jesus has commanded us to do. That's how we make disciples. So if, you, if you're asking, okay, well, how do we make disciples? Again, the Great Commission gives us that clue. It's baptism and teaching. It's you, you baptize them. Well, what's baptism? Baptism is when someone is converted. We don't baptize unconverted people because it's a demonstration of what God has done on the inside to them because we want all the world to see as a profession of their faith in Christ. We want the world to know what God has done on the inside. So we baptize them, bring them all the way under the water as a demonstration of their, their death to their old life, united with Christ then to follow him in newness of life. So they're converted and they're following him to the degree that they're doing what Jesus did. He was baptized. So we're to be baptized. And then it's this faithful witness to the world around us. And then we spend the rest of our life following what Jesus taught us to do. Listen, discipleship in many ways is more complicated than that, but, it, but it's actually that simple. It, it's following him in that way, and that's how we make disciples. Let me give you another verse. Th- th- this is why Ephesians 4.10 is such an important verse for the leaders of Redeemer Church. It gives us guidance on how to do church. Ephesians 4.10 says that the leaders are to equip the saints for works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The leaders of a church's job is to equip you for works of service because you're called to go and make disciples. So the leaders of the church's job is to equip you by, by teaching you, but also providing you tools. So we're supposed to explain and then apply the Word of God And then we're to give you opportunities to then go participate in the mission of God in our community. I want to take maybe one more step down into the specifics of how all this uh, comes together. What is the mission of God? Uh, I want to take one more step down and then we'll come up for some air. Let me give you two different categories of what the mission of God is. God's mission entails proclamation as well as service. Proclamation and service. Let, let me give you two more verses here. Regarding proclamation, Colossians 1.28 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This means that the members of Redeemer Church, we are here in the business of telling people about Jesus. With our words, proclaiming who Jesus is, what his gospel is. That's the missio day. If you want to participate in what God is doing, then, then, then you're to proclaim Christ. 
You're to tell people how they can be converted. That's the business of Redeemer Church, is collectively and individually, we are to proclaim Christ. We're to proclaim uh, how people can be born again and then explain this journey of following Christ as a disciple. So proclamation is how we participate in mission. But second, regarding service, Galatians 2.10 says, Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. This means that as members of Redeemer Church, we're to be in the business of serving tangible needs in our community with Jesus' gospel. Certainly we are to proclaim Him, but we're also to serve them. You see, the mission includes telling people about Jesus, but it, but it also includes serving them in order to give them a, a picture of faithfulness as well as to give us credibility with our message, right? See, demonstrating we care then demonstrates that God loves them. Serving them is essential to the mission. So, so uh, we say that uh, w- when we uh, think about our community, we're very interested on what our community thinks of us. That matters. And listen, there's all this technical, Christian, theological stuff behind everything that we do, that those outside the walls of this are not going to connect with or understand. But what we do want them to know and understand is that we love them and that we care about them. But like I want the city leaders to think, you know what, if Redeemer Church ceased to exist, there would be a vacuum in this community. Like I want us to serve this community and love this community to the degree that even unbelievers think, you know what, we need that church and that strange purple building. Like we need them in our community. That's what I want us to be known for. I want us to be known for our love. Service is how we participate in mission. Okay, let's maybe come up for air. We've covered a lot of ground fast. The, the, the mission of God comes out of a, of a missionary God. He redeems people into the church. But he redeems us into the church so that we can then participate in that mission. We're to be a missionary people. And he's called us then to help make all things new, to help make disciples. And the way we make disciples is we proclaim him and we serve them. That's the missio day. That's how we participate in the mission of God. But, but really what this series is about is not to explain something like that. It's certainly to call you to that. But really what this series is about is, is actually to wrestle with, okay, how does the mission, how does that help us go deeper in our relationship with God? And then how does that help us grow spiritually? And listen, I, I want you to walk away from this message with clarity on how you can participate in the mission of God. I also want you to maybe feel the weight, maybe a healthy burden of, I need to participate in the mission of God, and maybe I'm not. I want you to walk away with that, but really, I also want you to walk away with this understanding of how participating in the mission of God is actually linked to your spiritual health. If you aren't a missionary, are you really growing? The second question I want to ask here is, is how does mission help us go deeper? Now, remember what we're saying in this series is, is that God has given us these tools for us to go deeper, and, and as we go deeper in that relationship with Him, what is birthed from that is spiritual maturity. We, we end up looking more like Jesus. And all that 
comes out of the heart of God. God's a relational God. He wants to have a relationship with us, so he calls us to draw near to him. He's a missionary God. He, he desires uh, to, to, to redeem uh, all of creation. He desires to make disciples. He, and thus, he's communicated all these things to us, how to be intimate with him, and he's drawing us near to him. And that's the mark of true spirituality, of drawing near to God. But then when you draw near to him, the second mark of true spirituality is you're transformed into his image. So if you know Jesus, you end up looking like Jesus. You're conformed to his image. So the more you know him, the more you look like him. Again, that's just 101 Christian spirituality. That's what he's doing in your life. He wants you to look increasingly like Jesus. And the way you do that is you draw near to him. But one of the other tools he gives us to go deeper and to grow is mission. Mission helps us Go deeper and look more like Jesus. Let's see how proclamation and service help us go deeper and grow spiritually. Regarding proclamation, again, Colossians 1.28 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we, may be, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. As missionaries, we're to tell the world about Jesus. We're to proclaim the gospel. We're we're to help them be converted. We're to to help them mature in looking like Jesus. Uh, Another helpful verse that explains the proclamation ministry is 2 Timothy 4.2, which says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. In other words, we are to understand the Bible so well for ourselves that we can explain it to somebody else and then apply it to their lives. Now, now preaching can, can look like, a, can maybe happen in like a formal setting, like what is happening right now. Maybe this is formal preaching where what we're doing is explaining and then applying the Word of God. And then that can happen inside the walls of the church, even in formal ways. So, you know, one of our elders taught RSM today. Maybe that's a, a formal aspect of preaching where he was explaining and applying the scriptures. It happens in our children's classes. It happens in, in our small groups. But it can also happen in these more informal ways, and it can happen outside of the church. And, and I would argue it should. If it's not, we're missing something here. It should happen outside of the walls of the church in these more informal ways. So each and every one of us is to preach the word to our friends. We're to explain the Bible and apply it to uh, where they're struggling. We're to do that over meals and in the car. We're to, to do it in chit-chat conversations with our coworkers and with our neighbors. But how does that proclamation, how does it help us go deeper? The short answer is, is that you can't do it on your own. You can't do proclamation on your own. Like you're not always going to know the best way to explain the gospel. You're, you're not always going to remember the best verse to share You're not always going to have that love that you need to share with somebody. You're going to have to run to Jesus over and over and over again for the rest of your life in order to faithfully proclaim Jesus. The only way to be a great and faithful missionary is to go deeper in your relationship with God. In other words, the best missionaries are also the best prayer warriors. If you know the history of missions you know that the greatest missionaries were also the greatest prayer warriors. How do you need to proclaim Jesus to someone right now? Another question, how do you need to ask Jesus to help you proclaim Jesus to someone in your life? But, but how does proclamation, how does that help us grow spiritually? The short answer is, is that it helps us 
be like Jesus to people. I have a friend who uh, I think has a great gift of evangelism. I don't think I have a great gift of evangelism. And so when I see someone with a great gift of evangelism, I'm asking for tips. And I was watching all these people get converted around him. So I said, okay, he's got a great gift of evangelism. We go to lunch. You got a great gift of evangelism. Tell me how to be an evangelist. And, he, and, and it really shocked me, his answer. He goes, you know, I don't think I have a great gift of evangelism. My antennas went up even further. Oh, well, okay, well, tell me what you mean by that. He goes, you know, I, I, I would watch people share the gospel with a, a waitress or the gal cutting my hair. And, and I would recognize, if I was honest, in those moments, the reason why I didn't share the gospel is I just didn't really love them like Jesus loves them. And I felt this great conviction that if I would love them the way Jesus would love them, I'd figure out a way to talk to them. He says, sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's just, I just kind of, you know, force Jesus into something kind of awkwardly. But he goes, you know, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a love issue. But, but I found that as I own that and, and push into that and felt that conviction, and I asked God to help me love them the way you would love them, then the gospel comes out of my lips. Who do you need to talk to this week? And what would Jesus say to them? Well, regarding service, again, Galatians 2.10 says, Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. We have to be careful here because we have to ground all of our service in the gospel. Like, like certainly by serving, we need to serve tangible needs. That's, that, that's part of the mission of God, but we have to ground it in the gospel. But we can't separate service out of the mission of God. If you need another verse for this, James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Again, serving the most vulnerable. That's a key part of the missionary endeavor. Caring about the marginalized, the oppressed. Mission it includes all of that. Now, now mission, missions is ultimately spiritual, but it's not divorced from the physical. True religion includes caring for orphans and widows. And listen, service is an outgrowth of faithful proclamation. We know Ephesians 2 and 8 and 9, that we've been saved by grace. We talk about that all the time around here, being broken people who love broken people. But then in Ephesians 2.10, the next verse, we read, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's a link. There's a link between that saving grace and that ministry of good works, that service of serving others. That's an outgrowth of the proclamation of him, is that we serve them. Missionaries are to serve tangible needs. But again, how does service then help us go deeper? Again, the, the short answer is, is you can't effectively serve in your own strength. Let me give you a little bit of maybe a secret here. No matter the ministry, you're going to be out of your elements, okay? If someone says, hey, I'd love for you to serve in this area. And your response is, ooh, that's out of my I wouldn't be good at that. I'm inadequate in all these ways. Hey, join the club. That's everybody. That's everybody. You're always going to be out of your element. Over the years, we've had, uh, we've had pastoral interns. And this is sort of tacky. I think it's true. Pastoral interns are my people, okay? They're nerds, all right? Like they, 
They love ideas. They love books. They read deeply. And that profile of a person, they're not great in Redeemer Kids, okay? They're awkward down there. They fumble around. They have trouble connecting. And so as a result of that, when we've had a pastoral intern, we've always said, part of your internship, you got to go serve in Redeemer Kids. And we've had guys be like, wait a second, maybe I need to drop out of this. And, and, and here's where it clicks in their brain. If we come around and say, listen, treat, treat a, a seven-year-old girl, like, like view ministry to her in the same way you would missions in, a, in another continent. If you can make that switch and say, okay, if I were in this other continent, I would learn, okay, their language, what's their culture, what do they value, what are they scared of, what gets them excited, how do I connect with them? And then you go down to Redeemer Kids and do the same thing. All of a sudden, these little pastoral interns have been some of our greatest teachers down there. All the lights come on because then they just treat it like a missionary endeavor. They, they, they serve them accordingly. Listen, that's, that's what it's all about. We're to tell them to ask uh, Jesus, we are uh, to, to ask Jesus to help us to be better missionaries. We need his help. That's how we go deeper in our relationship with him. I've seen these stiff pastoral seminary students, with God's help, be, become these wonderful teachers in an area where they were really inadequate. You see, when, when ministry forces us to face our inadequacies, then ministry forces us to our knees, right? You see, the best missionaries are honest about their inadequacies, yet they don't use them as an excuse not to do ministry. They use it as an excuse to actually run to the Father more and to lean on His strength and lean on His power more out of honesty regarding His inadequacies. But but in great faith, the, the preacher Charles Spurgeon, right before he would preach, they said that every time as he was walking up to preach, he had this, this simple, authentic prayer that he would pray just over and over. He would walk up to the pulpit and say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. He knew he was inadequate, but he knew all the promises and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit would meet him, then God would do something good. And what ministry is God calling you to serve? And in what ways do you need to serve in his strength and not your own? Finally, how does service help us grow spiritually? Well, the, the short answer is that it helps us be like Jesus to other people. I, I knew a, a pastor at a church, and, and he was really committed to serve the homeless. And so they structured their church in many ways kind of largely to ministering to homeless people. And so uh, they would go downtown, and they would do these different projects, and, and, it was, and it, they kind of didn't necessarily have this like savior mentality. Like, like they wanted to know these folks, and they, and they really got to know them. They helped minister to their needs, and, and it was this really beautiful ministry. But, but then as time went on, Something happened, and this tends to happen in these types of ministries. They started really struggling with cynicism. You know how this goes, right? Like they, they gave so much of their time and energy and money and creativity to ministering to these people. And you know what? Most of them didn't climb ladders up out of poverty. They didn't see the fruit that they wanted to see. They thought all these lives would just be radically transformed, and they were like in homelessness in their city. And you know what? It didn't do any of that. And they really struggled with a lot of cynicism. But in that cynicism, they didn't run from it. They didn't run from it. And in fact, they said, okay, how, how do we need to 
love them in the way that Jesus loves them. Jesus knows that they're not climbing up out of these ladders of poverty, but, but how does Jesus love them? We, we want to serve like Jesus. So they fought to have thick skin and soft hearts. The pastor felt a, a real conviction that, okay, the, the next day I'm going to love them like Jesus. I'm going to have thick skin. I'm going to have a soft heart. He had this conviction that the next time I go out and serve the homeless, whatever they need help with, I'm going to help them with. Even if it doesn't like produce the fruit that I want, I'm just going to love them in the way Jesus loved them. He goes out the next day, meets with this guy. What do you need? The man said, I need shoes. And he goes, oh, man, I didn't think through this very well. He looked down, and he, he was wearing a brand-new pair of boots that he had just bought. These were expensive boots. He'd been saving money for these boots. He was really proud of these boots. So he took them off and gave them to this guy. He was committed to loving them the way Jesus loved them. It'll come with a cost, but you end up looking more like Jesus. Who in your life do you need to serve right now? And how would Jesus serve them? The mission of God is to redeem a people. God's a relational God. He wants to make all things new. He wants to dwell with his people. And as he redeems his people into the church, he calls his church to live on mission. God is a missionary God redeeming a missionary people. And more specifically, he is calling the church to participate in ministry. He's calling each and every one of us to do that. That means he's calling you to proclaim him and to serve them. That's what he's calling you to. And further, by living on mission, it's going to transform you. It's going to change you. You can't live on mission and stay the same. Living on mission means that you're going to have to go deeper in your relationship with God. It means that you're going to grow spiritually, looking more like Jesus. Proclaim Him and serve them. And then watch how God blesses you with, with depth and with growth. Well, like we've done in the previous weeks, how, how, do we, how do we do this practically? Practically, what does this look like? Well, friends, God wants you to tell people about Jesus. How can you... Tell other people about Jesus. Listen, maybe this happens inside the church. Maybe this happens in a, in a small group or in one of our classes, but it certainly should happen outside of the church. Who are the people outside of the church that you need to tell about Jesus? I like things that are kind of clear and straightforward. And they're going to throw a slide up here. This is called One Verse Evangelism. This is uh, from Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now listen, when I share the gospel and I do one verse evangelism, typically it's, it's over lunch somewhere. And so this little image is, for me has typically been drawn on a lot of napkins. So I'll pull out a napkin and I'll just I'll draw this out. I'll start with kind of writing that verse on the top there. And, and then I'll, I'll draw these, these two chasms, these two cliffs, and there's a there's something separating the two cliffs. And on one side, I'll talk about, okay, listen, on one side is humanity. And what separates us from God is our sin. And, 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 and we earn death as a result of our sin. Our wages of sin is death. That, that's what we earn, and that's what separates us from God. That's what we earn for our sin. But on the other side of that is the free gift of life. And it's not something we earn. It's a gift. It's something that God freely gives to us. And then I'll draw that little cross as a bridge. And I'll say, you know, the way you cross over from this side to that side is by trusting him. Trusting what he did on the cross. Trusting in his free gift, not on the thing that you're trying to, to earn. 
And then I'll ask them, okay, has there ever been a moment? Has there ever been a moment in your life where you have stopped trusting in yourself, trusting in your own good works to reach up to God, and you've just walked across that bridge, trusting in His one good work? Who outside this church needs to hear the good news of Romans 6.23? Who do you need to talk to this week? Friends, God also wants you to serve them like Jesus served them. How can you serve people like Jesus? Now certainly, that can happen inside this church. Camille made some cool Redeemer Kids shirts, so we know who those, who's serving every week. Maybe, maybe it's serving in Redeemer Kids. Maybe it's serving on the AV team or the greeter team. But how can you serve people outside of the church? Again, one, one of the really unique things about our church is that we have this commitment to serve tangible needs with the gospel outside of our church. That's what the Ford Denton ministry is all about. And listen, what we have tried to do is, is consistently just offer these opportunities through hands and feet service projects for you just to serve our community. Weekly, Diana Zedwicks leads the drive through food pantry. On Tuesday night, in partnership with our church and First Baptist Church in Lake Dallas, Diana Zedwick's team, that they have rounded up food and then uh, typically close to 50 people will come through every week. And for many of those families, like, like that's, that's their food for the week. If they really budget that right, that could be enough food for the entire week. And then uh, she's trained them in such a way that they then pray for people as they come through. And many times those people come through every week because they, they, they need prayer. They need food, but they also need prayer. So that's an opportunity each and every week that you can be out in our community serving needs. If, if you're interested in that, check the website, reach out to Diana, and she can tell you more. Pastor Daniel also offers monthly hands and feet service projects. Listen, Saturday, October 21st, walk the block. That, that's just an opportunity. It's just teed up for you. Like you just show up. Shannon's creating the flyer. Daniel's got some maps. He's going to have it all organized. You just show up, and then you get to go tell people about Jesus. And, and, and hear me. We do all that because we care about the glory of God. We do all of that because we love our community. But, but please hear me. We do all of that because we love you and we care about your soul. You're called to participate in those things. We refuse to let Redeemer Church be one of those sit and soak churches. People don't grow into the image of Jesus if they just sit and soak. They just kind of periodically show up. How do you need to begin serving? Friends, today, I'm calling you to live on mission. I'm calling you to proclaim him. I'm calling you to serve them. However, I'm, I'm not calling you to something that is dull. I'm not calling you to something that is lifeless or, or uninspiring or joyless. I'm calling you to abundant life. This is where it's found. This is where it's found. When you participate in mission, you've got to lean on Jesus in ways that maybe in all the other areas of your life, you're not, you don't have to lean on him. You're going to have to lean on Jesus when you participate in mission. And when you lean on Jesus, you end up looking more like Jesus. That's how you grow. I'm calling you to life. Certainly there's a cost to it. You see, when, when, when we are forced to our knees in prayer, we come up to this beautiful life. Now that life is a call to die. But in that death, that's where you find life. Isn't that good news? Isn't this call to mission, isn't that good news? You want to spend your life wasting it on Netflix every, every night? Just, just living a middle-class American dream? How boring. How dead. This is where life is found. 
You ever heard the story of Father Damien of Molokai? Father Damien is one of my favorite missionaries. He was born in Belgium in 1840. 1864, at the end of our Civil War, he, he felt this call. There were some twists and turns to it, but he felt this call to the Hawaiian Islands. And so he goes and, and serves in Hawaii. Now, at the time, this is, again, 1860s, uh, Hawaii was just hit hard with, with Hansen's disease. It's what most of us know of as leprosy. And, and leprosy is, is just this awful disease. It's a death sentence. If you've got leprosy, you were going to die from leprosy, okay? And, and there, it was an awful death, okay? It was a death that, that took sometimes years, and, and through that time, their bodies would just decay. There would be sores that would just rise all over their bodies. You could hardly recognize them anymore. They would lose appendages. This was just a harsh death. But the harsh reality of dealing with leprosy back then is, is the kingdom of Hawaii did what, what they could do and really what they should do, which was, listen, if you're going to end this disease, you've got to quarantine people away, which means they made it law that if you got leprosy, like the government officials came, picked you up, and they took you to Molokai, this small island where they had this, this little village, this little leper colony, and that's where they put all of them to go away to die. So in addition to this, this awful disease, they were separated from friends and family just waiting to die. The whole situation was heartbreaking. Later, the, the bishop of Honolulu said this to Father Damien. He said, like Jesus' sacred heart, his heart was moved by pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Against the wishes of and really the wisdom of his family and the leaders of the church there in Hawaii, he just continued to petition to go to Molokai and serve the lepers. He finally was given permission in 1873, and he went to Molokai. And he spent his days caring for the dying. He would bandage their wounds and clean their sores. He would gently feed the weak. He would pray over the discouraged. And instead of letting Molokai just kind of slip into this miserable stop that you made before you died. He, he actually created community in that little leper colony. He, he was tireless. He, he built a church building, and then he built all these other buildings that, that, that helped give them comfort. He lived on mission, proclaiming him and serving them. Father Damien said, I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all of Jesus Christ. What if we all lived like that? Who are the lepers in your school, in your community? What if you became a leper to reach the lepers for the glory of God? What if we all lived like that? He faithfully served the lepers for 16 years. Father Damien died of leprosy that he got from all the lepers in 1889. Friends, this is no doubt true. Father Damien lived more in those 16 years than most of us have ever lived. Amen. Here's what he said. The choices of a life to which God calls us decides our happiness after this life. If God calls me, I must obey. I know this to be true. With full confidence, God is calling you to mission. I don't know the specifics of that. Okay, I know some categories of that. He's calling you to a life lived on mission. And I know the categories that he's calling you to proclaim him. 
And He's calling you to serve them. I don't know all the specifics of what that looks like. And listen, to put my cards on the table, that's kind of the fun of it. That's kind of the adventure of it, to find out how God's going to use you in glorious ways. I don't know how He's calling you, but I do know that He's calling you to proclaim Him and serve them. And it's there that you're going to go deeper. And it's there that you're going to grow spiritually. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I I thank you for the missionary witness that we have from church history and the missionary examples that so many play in this church. Lord, may we be a people that is not known by cool architecture of our buildings or everything just being really slick. May we be known as a people who genuinely love our community. May we be faithful to proclaim you and proclaim the gospel, and may we be faithful to serve them. If this church went away, Lord, may our community feel it. Lord, may we be a people on mission. And Lord, I pray that there's people sitting in this room today that are really wrestling with, okay, how can I live on mission? Lord, I pray that you would give them clarity on that. I pray that they would faithfully proclaim the gospel and serve those in need. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen.